What we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue this sermon series, United We Love. That's our theme, right, for the whole year. But what we're trying to do in this text is we're trying to say that the church of Jesus Christ was always meant to be united in love. And it was always meant to be um, non-homogenous. In other words, it was meant to be diverse. It was meant to be multicultural. It was meant to be all people coming to faith. You only have to go to the first chapter of Acts and read right there. Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he says, The Holy Spirit's going to come to you and he's going to give you power. And let me tell you something. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and throughout all the world. And then you read in the last chapter of Matthew's gospel and you read about Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he's gathered not just the 11 disciples, but all of his followers are there around. And he says, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. And so here we are today. We've been looking at people like the the woman at the well from Samaria, We've looked at a woman a few weeks ago, the woman you know who came in and and washed the feet of Jesus, and uh, that would be from Judea. And and then today we're going to be talking about uh, Nicodemus, and, and, and that would be said in Jerusalem. And these other stories have to do with the church that grows and develops after Jesus has ascended into heaven. The church starts to accentuate in every way Jesus going into all the world through his followers, to all people. Today we're going to be reading the third chapter of John's Gospel. and The context is Jesus and Nicodemus. We don't need to lose that, even though the most famous verse in all the Bible is in the third chapter, right? John 3.16. I would say that most people, if they know a single verse in the Bible, it's John 3.16, Right? There's probably not a verse in the Bible that has led more people to Christ than John 3.16. And yet it's the context of John 3.16 that gives it its depth. That's what we're going to talk about today. You know, uh, my mentor, Dr. Bill Henson, he was, uh, he was kind of a conservative band uh, banner holder. And he was the president of the confessing movement when he died. And, you know, I heard him through the years. I've worked with him for seven years. But he criticized the boards and agencies because they're just bureaucrats and they spend too much money. And, and then one of the last assignments he had, even into his retirement, even into his death, he was appointed to, the, to be on the General Board of Global Ministries, the big one. And here was a man who criticized the General Board of Global Ministries all of his life, and all of a sudden he fell in love with the General Board of Global Ministries. I remember the last call that he he called me about, he was talking to me from Cambodia about buying a pig. He said, we got this project, the General Board's got this project, and we're buying these pigs over here, and we're giving them to these farmers, and, and you know, they're, they're going to develop uh, pig farms all over. And, you know, it's really important. He said, when a brother Copeland, as rich as Lover's Lane is, y'all can buy a whole herd of pigs. So that was the last conversation I had with him before. He was selling Cambodian pigs. But I remember that telephone call. He was also talking about a, a preacher, a Cambodian preacher named Reverend On. O-N, On. Reverend On had been uh, educated, gone through seminary to be a United Methodist pastor. 
and, and uh, Dr. Henson had been involved in his education. And he said, I got, to, I got to hear him preach, and I got to hear him tell his story. And he said, I, I got I to gotta tell you what he said. He said his conversion came by way of his wife receiving a, a little Cambodian translation of the New Testament. Right? With those little thin pages, you know, the Gideon uh, New Testament kind of deal. And he said, what I discovered was that 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 paper was perfect for rolling cigarettes. (laughs) And he said, so I just confiscated my wife's Bible and I started tearing out the pages and rolling cigarettes and smoking it. And, you know, I smoked several pages a day. And he said, after a while, he said, I just started to, to read the, you know, to read the, the page before I smoked it and said I'd just read the page and roll a cigarette and smoke it he said about the time I got to John's gospel I started reading a little closer and he said and then I got to John 3 and and I read for God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whosoever believes in me will have everlasting life and I kept reading And I kept reading. And I became a Christian. And he said, Dr. Henson, I just want to tell you this. He said, you just can't smoke John 3.16. (laughs) My grandfather, uh, my grandmother gave me his Bible upon his death. And it was one of these family Bibles. It was his grandmother's Bible before it was his. And and um, he, he had all kinds of things, you know, that you have in a family Bible. There were little um, uh, obituaries in there, funerals that he had attended. And there was bulletins in there from special occasions. And there was a bookmark or two. And there on John 3, a handwritten note from my grandfather. I think it was a, a, a Lenten devotional that he had written out. And he, he wrote about uh, being raised in, in West Texas and, and how... Um, there was an old preacher named Brother Hamlin who'd come around and he'd set up in the one-room schoolhouse and we'd pack into that schoolhouse and we'd hear Doc, uh, Reverend ha- uh, Brother Hamlin preach. And he said, and, and one sermon I remember was he preached on John 3.16 and I, I'll be indelibly thankful for Brother Hamlin sharing John 3.16 and me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Man, that Bible's special to me. And that, that testimony even more special. So let's talk about Nicodemus for just a minute. Nicodemus was a lawyer. You know, he was a Pharisee. We're going to talk about who he was completely. But, you know, I want to ask this question. Did the conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus, did it lead to a decision for Christ? Have you ever asked that question? Here's John 3.16. First time it was ever spoken. Jesus spoke it to Nicodemus. And did it work? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee means a separated one. And Nicodemus was part of this separated brotherhood of sorts, a highly respected group of people, never had more than 6,000 members. He'd taken a pledge in front of witnesses that he would keep the law all of his life, that he would keep it every letter, every letter of the law.
And Nicodemus was in a position of power. He, he was part of the Sanhedrin. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were kind of like our Congress. You know, the Pharisees were the House of Representatives and the Sadducees were, they were the Senate and together they formed the Sanhedrin. But, but maybe they were more like the Supreme Court because all the Jews all over the world looked to the Sanhedrin for the bottom line. That's where the buck stopped with the Sanhedrin on any matter related to the law. And Nicodemus was a teacher. He was a rabbi. Now, part of the Sanhedrin's responsibility was to find out who were false prophets, right? And so Jesus and Nicodemus get together by, Jesus, by Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night and inquiring. He says, Rabbi, Rabbi to Rabbi here, we know that you must be a teacher who's come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. To prove that you're a prophet, you had to do signs and wonders, okay? So Nicodemus, he either heard Jesus preach or speak, or he'd heard about it. He'd either witness a miracle with his own eyes, or he'd heard about it because the talk of Jesus was everywhere. And so Nicodemus was there. Maybe there was something missing in his life that he wanted, and he knew Jesus had something he didn't have. Or maybe he was there because he was trying to discover if Jesus was a false prophet. I want us to turn to John 3. It's going to come up on the screen. I want to read this story. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after they've grown old? Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. Jesus is talking about him and the other followers of his. You don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world. That's pretty much everybody. 
that he who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world. Now hear this. I wish they wouldn't do the John 3.16 thing without John 17. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Let me say just a word about that. If we were to read a few more passages, it would say that, that those who do not believe have been condemned already. And you say, wait a minute, I thought Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but so that the world would be saved. And then he says this thing about condemnation. Let me tell you why he said it. He was speaking to Nicodemus, the one who kept the letter of the law, the one who kept it all of his life, the one who knew in his heart you can't keep all of the law, you'll break it, you'll break it over and over again. And more than that, he could see this whole world out there of people who didn't keep the law. There were Gentiles who were unclean, there were even Jews who didn't keep the law. And so everybody was condemned by the law. It wasn't God who condemns, it's the law who condemns. If you believe in the law, you're condemned already, Jesus said. You've got to believe in the one who was sent from God, who came to save the world, who loved the world, and will not condemn it. Do you see that? So many people read John 3, and they just think, well, you see there, if you don't believe, you're going to hell. You're condemned already. It's about the law that condemns us already. This is the, the, the first unveiling of the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to save the world, who was lifted up like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness for you and for me. There are four concepts in John. You know, we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're all the same. They tell kind of the same story about Jesus. And then you've got John. Who's making a case for Jesus? Who's an evangelist? Who's an apologist? Who's, who, who's proving it? He's proving it. And so we see people in John that we don't see in the other Gospels. There's no mention of Nicodemus in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's no mention of the woman at the well. There's no mention of, 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 of Lazarus and that story about Lazarus coming out of the tomb. Uh, only in John because John's proving a point about Jesus. And these are the four points. The kingdom of God is on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God came into the world and, and, and the Spirit of God starts changing the world through the people who believe in Him. So the kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of heaven is coming. The kingdom of God and heaven, they're now and coming. And the second concept, sonship. It has to do with the obedience. Jesus was obedient unto death on a cross. But, but it also has to do with lifting up the Son of Man who is the Savior of the world. Not the law, but the Son of Man. Perfect obedience. And the third concept is eternal life. It's, it's a life of God lived out now and forever. It's, you know, John 10, 10 says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Well, that's the beginning of eternal life. We experience eternal life here. We know what it means to live in the Spirit here and, 
And it's eternal. It never, never ends. And the fourth concept is a heavenly birth. It's a change of heart. It's a redirection of life. It's brought about by the Holy Spirit and results in a human decision. And we have all four concepts in this, this, this chapter. Jesus said to Nicodemus, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven without being born from above. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, you may have read this and studied the third chapter of John in a Sunday school class or in a a small group, or you may have sat down with some accountability partners and looked at John 3, and you may understand it in your head, but what John 3 is all about is do you believe it in your heart? You can get up there, preacher, and you can talk about it, but do you believe it in your heart? Have you been born from above? You know, a few years ago, a man who was a lawyer invited me to, di- to lunch. And uh, did I, all my papers fly all over the place? That's good. We can end the sermon now. <laughs> Thank you. And, and he took me to lunch, and he, he, I knew he was a member of the church. I knew he was a member of a, a, a great Bible study. He had this joy on his face, and, um, and I knew he'd done real well professionally, and he took me to lunch. He took me to lunch for one reason. He wanted to tell me his story. He said, Stan, I've, I think I've always been a Christian. I've always been in the church. He said, but you need to know this. I'm a lawyer, and I question everything. He said, when I was 55 years old, just a few years ago, I came face to face with Jesus. Conversation's getting interesting. He said, I question everything, and professionally, he said, you need to know that I'm in the oil and gas industry, and I know how to make a deal. I know the business of quid pro quo, or this for that. And he said, I stepped up to meet God on those grounds, questioning and looking for a deal. And it was like God read my mind before I ever asked anything. And the Spirit of God came to me and said, listen to this. He said, the Spirit of God came to me and said, if you give me everything you have, I will give you everything that I have. And then he has these tears in his eyes. And he said, I made that deal. The best deal. I've ever made in my life. It changed me. It made me new. You know, the passage today leaves us with the question about Nicodemus. How do you answer the question? Well, the answer is on the floor, but I'm going to tell you what it is. <laughs> I don't want to reach down there and fall off the stage. But the answer is this. In the seventh chapter of John's gospel, the 50th through the 52nd verse, we have this encounter 
Jesus is popular in his teaching. He's teaching at the Festival of Booths. I think I was standing really close to where he taught just a few days ago. And the people are packing in there. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're getting antsy. In fact, they've sent out the temple police. You know, Randall and Jimmy came to get them. And the temple police come back and they don't have him. I think there's a slide. There it is. And, and they say, why don't, why don't you have him? And, and they said, we've never heard anybody speak like that. And, and then the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they say, have any of you been deceived? And Nicodemus raises his hand. Uh, one, I need to tell you one thing. I haven't been deceived. I'm not a believer. But I, I need to tell you that our law says that we don't condemn anyone without a hearing. So if this man is of God, then we can't stop him. And if he's not of God, God will stop him. And the Sanhedrin, they backed off. But we know they came back again, right? And this time they arrested him and they had a fake trial. and They sentenced him to death and they crucified him. And a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, he came. It was in the afternoon when Jesus died about 3 o'clock. And he came and asked for the body of Jesus. And there, were, there was another man with him, a man named Nicodemus. Who had a hundred pounds of myrrh. To anoint the body of Jesus. Several people's yearly salaries worth of myrrh to anoint the body of Jesus. Now, what do you think his decision was? This one who came first to Jesus at night, and, and I think that he was so taken by Jesus, he was he, he left questioning so. And, and he just continued to learn about him from a distance. And he stood up for him against the Sanhedrin once. And then at the death of Jesus, he made sure he was buried properly. I don't know what he did. You'll have to decide for yourself. I believe he was born from above. You know, there was a doctor who taught um, a medical doctor who taught Sunday school over at First Presbyterian Church for years. He died a few years ago, but we had members of the church here who would go to worship, and then they'd beat it over to First Presbyterian to hear Dr. Dan Foster speak. Dr. Foster was a wonderful biblical teacher. He, he told a story uh, about an encounter he had with a woman who had come to him and he'd done her medical history, and you know, it was just a doctor's appointment. And he noticed all the time she was wringing a, a napkin or a handkerchief in her hand. And, and, and so he said, ma'am, is there something wrong? And she said, well, there is. He said, I have twin daughters. And one of them has leukemia. And she, she'd been in remission, but the disease is raging again. And so he met with her several times and she asked all those questions about why is one of my twins just fine and the other one has leukemia? Why, what, where's God in all of this? He knew she wasn't a person of faith. 
Her husband was Muslim. She never took the little girls to Sunday school, never took them to church. She never went herself. The little girl died. and The mother came to Dan and, and, and said, Can I tell you about the day she died? He said, Yeah. He said, Well, we were there. The nurse and I were in the room at the time. And we were comforting my daughter. She was dying. And then all of a sudden, she said, Mommy, do you know Jesus? This girl had never been in Sunday school class. Who was he? The mommy said, well, he was a great man, great teacher, believer in God. The little girl said, well, do you like him? She said, I like him very much. And then in a little while, she said, do you see him? And the mother said, see who? She said, Jesus, he has a crown on. And he's at the foot of my bed. Mommy, he's calling my name. Do you hear him calling my name? And then this mother said, the little girl died. She said it was calm in the room, but I don't think the air conditioning got funky or anything. But she said all of a sudden, the nurse and I felt this wind. Now, Dan Foster, he's a medical doctor, you know. He's very intelligent. He teaches the Word or taught the Word for years and years and years. He was telling her story because he believed her. He said, I had her here to teach to tell her story because no one could tell it like she told it and he said after the class she said Dr. Foster I have a decision to make I said what's that she said I want to become a Christian I want to be baptized I want to join this church he said no wait a minute now you, that wasn't in the deal you didn't I wasn't expecting you to you know, if you're, he was thinking she was doing it on a rebound. He said, you know, don't do this unless it's the only thing you can do. She said, I, I want to do it. She said, my daughter was the witness. And, and the Son of Man, Jesus, ushered her into eternal life. I believe. And if I come in, she said, I'll never leave. Friends, it's really a simple question. Have you been born from above? Have you ever move beyond just what you know to that heart thing that says yes to the Son of Man, Jesus. That makes that deal. As the band sings,
If there's anyone who wants to make that decision today for the first time, you come up to this altar. Make that public step like Nicodemus did. Not at night, but in broad daylight to receive the body of Jesus. Lord God, you know the hearts of everyone in this room. Lord, we pray that your birth from above will be the gift. And for those of us who've received it, that we'll be reminded about what a gift it is. Amen.